All right, kids, I know you're going to be going upstairs, but why don't you come right down here for just a minute? You don't have to climb up here. We'll all be socially distanced and cool and safe and all that stuff. So just kind of come right up here. How many of you have ever taken a slice of lemon and done that? Yeah. How did it taste? It was sour, wasn't it? So does anybody like to just cut up a lemon and just slurp on it? No. Like some of us adults like to take lemon and cut it and squeeze it into our water. That's because a lot of times garland water tastes like bad. It tastes pretty good right now, right? But sometimes it tastes really like dirt because our water comes from the lake. So that's a lemon. How many of you have ever had lemonade? How many of you ever had lemonade? Never had lemonade? I know you've all had lemonade if you've gone upstairs because they make it for you practically every week. I have a big old container of it out there. How many of you like lemonade? Okay, so there's a saying, and I want you to remember this saying. It's not a Bible saying, but it's something good to remember because I think that you can learn something that the Bible would also teach from this saying. So I want you to say it after me. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And you know what? I looked at pictures on the internet this week, and I think that's what a lot of your parents did. Life gave us lemons. Suddenly the power went out. And it was cold. And here were you, crazy kids, outside playing, making snowmen and snow angels and sledding down hills and doing all kinds of fun stuff. See, life gave you lemons, but what did you and your parents do? Made lemonade. Made lemonade. Go upstairs. All right. So my question for you guys is, how did you handle the snowpocalypse. All right. Or some people were, some people were calling it snowmagadon or I don't even know how you would say that. Armageddon, snowmageddon, I guess. I, I like read snowmagadon. It sounds like uh, something from a video game or something like that. So I saw one person put, uh, put their thumbs down. I, the, the way I put the question in my notes was, how would you characterize your recent extreme weather experience? Well, if you're a circumstantial person, then when circumstances change, it changes you. And even when you're not a circumstantial person, when you're a person of faith, what you find is that when things hit you the wrong way when you're not ready for it, when you're unprepared. And that was us here in Texas. The problem with the snow wasn't that it was snow, it's that we just don't have it that often. And our power company or companies were just not prepared. There's all sorts of, uh, uh, of blame and finger pointing going on right now, but the point is we weren't prepared. Well, you know what? I can't handle or control what Encore does or um, the Reliability Council does or uh, the Public Utility Commission does. But you know what I can control? I can control how I handle this. Do you know what you can control? You can control your attitude. You can control how you handle this. So my question is, how did you handle it? Well, initially, when this thing first blew in, I try to kind of send out texts and encourage you guys. And if there are warnings, I try to spread those around because I don't know how many people are listening to this or that uh, source. And uh, I got a text from the city of Garland or Garland 
uh, GPNL that said, hey, you know, turn your stuff off, turn your thermostats down, whatever. It's going to be heavy on the power grid and whatever. So I sent out a text related to that. And then we, of course, we had the weather on Sunday or Saturday night, I should say. And so Valentine's Day. Yeah. How did you spend Valentine's Day? I bet that was a different sort of Valentine's Day, right? Married people. Are there going to be some pregnancies coming up in nine months? I just wonder. No, absolutely not. So I wonder how you spent Valentine's Day. Well, I know how we spent it in here. We were blessed because we had several of our band members that were able to show up with uh, vehicles that had all-wheel drive or people like Lodge that just don't care and drive up here anyway. And, uh, and so we had, we had a singer and we had a, a couple of, you know, musician for you so that you, if you watched online, you were able to uh, participate. And I think we had like seven people here. It was awesome. Last Sunday was low attendance Sunday at LifeWell. But I'm sure that there were other churches where nobody showed up. And I'll be honest with you. My biggest concern wasn't the weather. My biggest concern wasn't whether the power was going to. My biggest concern was how am I going to provide a worship experience for our people? Because I've already told you guys, I'm not canceling church anymore. And in fact, even during the, the height of COVID, we didn't cancel. Our band showed up. And we did it live for you guys. But I think that one of the most important things that we can do when we're in the midst of something like this is to give God glory. Amen. Amen. You see, the weather changes, but God doesn't change, does he? Politicians change, but God doesn't change, does he? Your health may go up and down and in and out, but you know what? God doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So I wonder, did you assume, did you assume, let me see if I can talk this morning. Did you assume the best? Did you hope for the best? Did you think things were going to turn out okay? Or did you assume the worst? Did you think, oh my goodness, when are, the, when are all the wheels going to fall off? <laughs> or did you just do one of these and say, well, you know, what comes, comes. What happens, happens. I can't control it. See, people of faith have a reason to assume the best. We have, now I'm not saying presume, right? We don't want to make false prophecies and, and you know, just say, well, I don't believe the power is going to go out and I don't believe this and that, unless the Lord, you know, overwhelmingly convinces you that that's going to be the case for you and yours. But we can assume the best because God has made us promises, right? So I want to, uh, I want to take a, uh, a little time here and I've discovered that I need to, as, as, as brief as I've been on Sundays recently, I learned something. I did three vlogs. How many of you know what a vlog is? I'm really old, so I just kind of started learning how to do that. It took me a while to learn what a blog was, all right? So I got this camera right here that we have set up here because it's a dual purpose camera. It has really good color and, and so forth, but it's also a vlogging camera. And so rather than take up all the memory on my phone and do it that way, I just use this camera. So I didn't have karate on Tuesday. I didn't have Bible study on Wednesday. And I didn't have drama club on Thursday last week for obvious reasons. So I did a vlog for you guys on each of those days, something that I could send out to encourage you. And uh, the one that I sent out on Tuesday was less than four minutes. And it was great. Uh, you know, a bunch of people watched until I looked at how long you watched. You don't watch the whole thing, do ya? 
Some of you do, but see, I get those. See, I don't know whether your attention is fading in and out in here, but YouTube knows. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, this is awesome. We got a bunch of people to watch this. And then I looked at how long you watched and it was less than half the time of the vlog. So the next one I dropped down. I thought I can go a little faster. I can do that. No, same thing. You only pay attention to half of what's coming your way. So as the result, I'm going to keep cutting this shorter and shorter and shorter <laughs> until I know that you're paying attention the whole time because I don't have anything that's throwaway here, right? If this was throwaway, I, I would have gotten paid the last two Sundays if I didn't come, right? I could have just closed the, the doors and said, you know what? It's too dangerous. Can't do anything. I still got a paycheck. Is that what I'm here to do? No, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to teach you. I'm here to motivate you. I'm here to admonish you. Amen? Right? I've got something to say. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to tighten it up. Um, this is today's message. Hardship as Christian training. Okay, this is not really what you want to hear, but I think this is going to be good for you, right? Number one, I didn't print bulletins, uh, but uh, my friend Adrian and uh, Jacob will put these up here. Adrian will put it online. Jacob will put it up there. God is always involved in the lives of his people. Amen? Amen? So what does the scripture say? Jesus, the last thing Jesus said before he left the planet was, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. God is always involved in the life of his people. So there is this tendency to think of, uh, you know, what's going on and just for some people, I think they, they just kind of live as, as practical atheists. You know what a practical atheist is? This is somebody that claims to believe in God, but the way they live their lives, they don't live as if there really is a God that is involved at all. And I see a lot of people, even church people, good people, but they're practical atheists. They really don't see God being involved in the world or in their lives at all. I'm here to tell you God is always involved. Now, I'm not trying to point the finger and blame God, but I'm saying God is always involved. And you and I need to begin with that understanding. Number two, every difficult circumstances is a test of your trust in a good and loving father. And I, you know, I think that you can see that, that this circumstance was a test in your trust. Wouldn't you agree? Um, listen to, uh, listen to what the, uh, what the scripture says here, uh, in regard to, uh, this being a test. Um, first Peter four, one and two says, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Whenever we suffer, it's a test of our, uh, against our flesh and whether we're going to trust our flesh further down in first Peter. This is verses 12 and 13. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, the painful test. Were you surprised? No. Well, I was. I was surprised that the weather went down like it did. But scripture teaches us not to be surprised at painful trials or painful tests. It says we shouldn't be surprised as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. You know, that's what you and I need to realize is Jesus promised that he would be a suffering servant. And when you and I go through hardship and difficulty and suffering, 
we enter into the sufferings of Christ, or at least we can if we will pay attention to Christ, if we'll put our faith in him, if we will trust him through the difficulty. Number three is trust God and believe that he will arrange every circumstance for your benefit and for his glory. God can turn everything around for your good and for his glory. No matter how bad that is, God can turn it around. Health issues, financial issues, weather issues. Listen, we've had a difficult year, haven't we? Now I hear people, you know, griping about 2020. Listen, 2020 was just a year, but we did see a lot of unprecedented things. And we saw some things that we've seen in the past that kind of uh, ramped up, I guess you would say, got amplified and strengthened. First of all, our politicians don't ever seem to be able to get along, right? Everybody's griping at everybody else and trying to, you know, this side's trying to get that side out of office and that spills over into people who are all griping at each other. And we just saw that throughout 2020. So we had politician problems throughout 2020. And then of course we had the pandemic, right? Pandemic problems throughout 2020. And that's something that hit us. In fact, it was, I think like the week after my birthday that everything shut down. I was like, dude, seriously? Just everything shut down. And we were all sheltering inside. We're all going to die, right? And we've had to deal with the pandemic for just about a year right now. And then here we have the beginning of 2020, and we're dealing with a lack of power. But no matter what, whether it is politicians arguing, whether it's the pandemic, or whether it's a power outage, God hasn't changed. Amen? And God is capable of taking everything and working it out for your good and for his glory. So when I look at some of the policies that our present president is implementing, it concerns me. Some of them may sound good on the surface, but they may have adverse consequences for people of faith. And I guess that remains to be seen. But even after I was aware that this was going to happen, if this particular party uh, attained power, but even after that, I still believe that God is sovereign, amen? God is still on the throne. You see, even when you have a power outage or when your politician doesn't get in office, God is still in power. And so I believe, as I said, God is involved in everything and there's no reason for me to think that that uh, stops at the, uh, at the, the, the voting booth. God is involved in everything, so God's got a reason for this particular party in this particular situation, and we need to understand that he's going to work, however this works out, he's going to work it out for our good and for his glory. Amen? The same thing with the pandemic. Right at half a million people, um, if their calculations are accurate, have lost their lives in the United States of America as the result of the pandemic. That's nothing to sneeze at. But even then, I believe that God is capable of working things out for our good and for his glory. Well, where am I getting that from? Do you know Romans 8, 28? All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So when I say he's working these things out for our good, I'm referring to those of us who are people of faith. Amen. Whose faith works not whose faith is just another name for a feeling that you have about God or just your profession that you believe in God, but faith that works because it says 
God works all things together for the good of those who love God. That's an action. Amen? Did anybody watch the broadcast last Sunday on Valentine's Day? Right? Oh, three people. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Makes me feel really good. Glad to spend all that time doing that, worrying about it. What I said last week and what I always say with love is that love is an action. It's a decision. It's a determination. When you love God, you do something about it. So when you sing these songs, you put some feeling behind it and you're doing something. But more than that, Jesus said, if you love me, finish the sentence. Obey me. Do what I say. Right. So if I love God, then I'm going to obey him. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to I'm going to act out on my faith. Right. So what we're talking, what we're talking about and who we're talking to are people of faith. We're talking about faith. We're talking to people of faith. Right. And then it says, if we love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, this isn't referring to just your individual independent purpose, your particular purpose. This is referring to our purpose as people, because we all have one purpose that is alike. Do you know what it is? There's more than one, but this one's very important and pertinent to what I'm going to say. You are being made in the image of Christ. That's his purpose. That statement is found in the very next verse after Romans 8, 28. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what God is trying to do in your life every single day in every single way that he acts. He is seeking to make you more like Jesus. And that's gonna make you less and less like the world. So my question is, are you paying attention to what the Lord is trying to say to you, right? So number four, the question you always need to ask is this. Are you ready? Father, what are you teaching me through this? What are you teaching me through this? Have you tried to discover, have you asked God, what he was seeking to teach you through the pandemic? Have you asked God? Were you seeking him? Were you trying to discover what God was seeking to teach you through the power outage? Because he is in the process of teaching you, of helping you to grow. And you know, some of us, I've noticed, um, how many of you see, this all kind of happened and people have been talking about Groundhog Day. Right. Apparently the groundhog just needed to be shot or something because I'm thinking that's not a good way of predicting the weather. Right. But there's a movie called Groundhog Day. Did anybody ever see that movie? Groundhog Day. I know Craig saw it. I do know Craig saw it. How do I know Craig saw it? Because that was the first thing that I ever did with Craig Wilson. There used to be a movie theater over here off of uh, Beltline and Garland Road. And I invited Craig and his friend to go to the movies with me. His friend couldn't go. Craig came bouncing out of the house, all of 12 years old, bounced into my car. We drove around the corner and we watched Groundhog Day. Somehow I think Groundhog Day is prophetic, at least for some of us. What is the idea? What's the theme behind Groundhog Day? This guy has to keep repeating the same day over and over and over and over until pretty much he gets it right. You know what I've noticed? There's at least two different uh, either movies or, or series. I can't figure out which they are. And I don't even know which service it's on. One of the, the streaming services that are about that same thing. One of them is about 
it, at least it appears to me it's a teenager-oriented movie. It's a, like a kid, looks like he's about your age in the, in the pictures and previews. And something about a perfect day, and he keeps repeating it over and over. And then there's another one. So it seems like a lot of us are stuck on this. We just keep having to repeat this over and over and over. How many of you have ever heard me preach the same message or the same theme more than one time? Yeah. So why do we keep doing that? Right? I'm going to tell you a story that I've told over and over again. In fact, even recently, but it fits. So there was a preacher that was called to a brand new church. He showed up on Sunday morning and he preached his sermon. And the people were just, they were overwhelmed. They thought, man, this is great. We're so excited. We have a new preacher and he seems to be able to really preach. And we're really, really enjoying this. Now, this was back in the day when we used to have church on Sunday morning and (gasps) Sunday night. And Wednesday. So the preacher came back. It's Sunday night. And, you know, as usually happens, about a third of the group shows up. And uh, he preached the exact same message again. These people are kind of, you know, wondering what's going on, you know. They're not really thinking they made a mistake. They're just thinking, you know what? He just didn't have all of his notes. Everything didn't get moved over to the church or whatever. It's okay. We'll put up with that. You need to deal with that. Wednesday rolls around. He preaches the same message again. Now people are starting to get worried because, you know, this is three times. But it's a Wednesday night. There's hardly anybody there on Wednesday night. But the next Sunday morning, he preached the same message again. Now the church is, is, they're ready to leave. They're ready to run him out. They're ready to get a new preacher. And so the head deacon comes up to him and said, Preacher, this is the fourth time you've preached the same sermon. I'm just wondering, and the people are wondering, if we're going to keep you here as our preacher, if you have another sermon. And the preacher replied, when you do what I've said in this sermon, I'll move on to the next one. It's Groundhog Day. Just because you've heard it doesn't mean you're doing it. There's this tendency to think, oh, I've already heard that. Have you ever heard somebody say this? I've heard somebody say this before. You talk about the Bible and they say something along the lines of, oh, I read that once. Really? You read it once. Did you read the whole thing? But you read it once. Is this a book that you just read once and then put back on the shelf? No. I mean, there are a few books that I've read more than once. Um, My favorite novel is To Kill a Mockingbird. I've read that a bunch of times. Uh, The Lord of the Rings series. By the way, the books are way, way better than the movies. And I used to read those about once every three years, read through all three of them. And it's probably been about three years since I've read them. So maybe it's about time to start. But that's not the same thing as this. See, this is God's word. Amen. His living and active word. And I'm going to read this regularly to find out what God is seeking to teach me. What is he telling me? I need to let this soak into my heart and let it soak into my mind. And I need to change So why am I bringing all this up? Because sometimes the reason why we keep going through some of the difficulties that we go through is because God is saying, when you're doing what I've already told you and taught you and sought to get you to do in this circumstance, then we'll move on to something else. But it may be that what you need to do is go back to the last time you were truly obedient to the Lord and start over there. Amen? All right. Um, Now, number five. 
And this is from a scripture, and I posted this last week. In fact, one of my vlogs was really about this. That vlog was really a shorter version of this sermon. We need to endure hardship as discipline. Amen? So when I'm going through difficulty, I don't just think it of it as fate, right? The universe. The universe doesn't care about you. The universe isn't doing anything. I, I hear more and more people saying, well, the universe this and the universe. The universe doesn't care. And I've only started hearing that when people have moved away from God. There is the God who created the universe who's capable of making changes. Amen? And then there's the universe, which is just material, essentially. Okay? We need to endure hardship as discipline. Now, um, as disciples of Jesus, we need to be submissive to discipline. Because, in fact, can you hear the word discipline in disciple? Discipline? Disciple, right? There are three definitions for discipline, and perhaps more than this, but three, I guess, synonyms people would use for discipline. Um, when you think of disciplining your child or kids, when you think of being disciplined, you might not use that word. You might think of punishment. I'm being punished for something that I did wrong. This is the way many people think of prison. Prison is a penal institution. P-E-N-A-L comes from the word, the same word, uh, the same root word is punishment, right? It's the place where you go to get punished for doing wrong. But what is another word for a prison? It is a correctional institution. In fact, in most states, the organization that controls prisons is called the Department of Corrections. Corrections. The idea there is that you're not just being punished for doing something wrong, but we're trying to correct your behavior so that you will go on and continue to do something that is right. And then the last synonym or definition is the word training, training. And that's what I wanna concentrate on today in the few waning moments that we have. As disciples of Jesus, this is number seven, we are training to become like him. You are disciples in training. Amen? Amen? Every single day. If you have chosen to say Jesus is Lord, then he's your rabbi. He's your teacher. He's your trainer. Anybody uh, in, going to a gym right now? Anybody going to a gym right now? Yeah. All right. Do you have a personal trainer? Yeah. Right? Yeah, me. Yay. <laughs> All right. Actually, uh, Nicholas and I have been working out and he's half my age and he's been kicking my butt, buddy. <laughs> I'm telling you what, it's, you shouldn't work out with people that are half your age, it's unwise. But it's kept me working out, that's what it's kept me doing. Well, that's what a trainer does, right? A trainer says, no, we need to do this, we need to do this now, you need to eat differently, you need to lift this weight, you need to do that. And if you want to get stronger, you want to get leaner, you want to get faster, whatever it is that you're trying to do, you wanna get better at your sport, then you're gonna pay attention to your trainer, aren't you? Jesus is your trainer. He's seeking to lead you. Now, when we started, I, <laughs> this is kind of interesting, and, and I'll just make the announcement now. I've told a couple of you individually, but at the beginning of the year, I preached a message on discipline. It focused on self-discipline, a little different than this message. But um, I started a contest, a fat loss contest, that I, I titled, uh, Get Healthy for Your Honey. And some people were like, well, I don't have a honey. I don't, it's okay. It was just a way of saying it, okay? 
So we went out there. I've got a scale out there that I bought, and I mean, 23, 4, 5 people weighed on my scale, and it you know, did their body fat and whatever, and I've got those results recorded. We were supposed to weigh out last Sunday. Did I mention that we had seven people here last Sunday? That didn't work out so well. So I gave everybody the option, and the people that voted, right? I gave them the option of either weighing out next Sunday, or weighing out today, I'm sorry, waiting a week, weighing out next Sunday, or pushing the restart button and weighing out on Easter Sunday and using Lent as an opportunity. What do you think everybody voted for? Come on, Monica, shout it out. <laughs> shout it from the mountaintops. Monica basically threatened everybody else in the Facebook group. <laughs> she was like, y'all better vote for restart or I'm coming over to your house and I'm feeding you something. <laughs> so we're gonna restart, right? Now that doesn't mean we're gonna reweigh. Roy, Roy probably would've won. If we'd have weighed today, I think Roy would have won, okay? Roy was the only one that didn't vote for restart. Yay, Roy, you're amazing. We love Roy. He was able to take it seriously the rest of the time. The rest of us this week, when the weather went bad, we're like, well, you know, fat's a good insulator, isn't it? I mean, little difficult to control your eating when you're freezing, right? So, yeah. But we restart. That's okay. You know, there are times in our Christian life when we need to restart. We need to press the reset button. And I think we're at that point. So what do you say, everybody that's here today, everybody that's listening to me, what do you say? We just call today, day one. Amen? Yeah. Let's just forget all that other stuff. Let's forget all those politicians. Let's forget all those protests. Let's forget that pandemic. I don't mean forget it and don't be, you know, safe and whatever, but let's forget about worrying about it and being upset and angry and anxious and all that. Let's just forget about all that, okay? And let's forget about the power outage and what it did. Now, I'm not saying you might not have some pipes that need to be fixed and so forth, okay? But let's forget about it. And let's, let's start over, shall we? Would you agree? Let's start over. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to let you just kind of hold this out here and pray about it and let the Lord speak to you with it, okay? So I'm typically teaching you through the scripture. I don't stand up here and say, I'm a prophet of God, and I'm telling you that the Lord told me this. First of all, if you have to tell people you're a prophet of God, you're not a prophet of God. You get recognized if you speak the Lord's word. People will recognize that, right? The people of the Lord have the Holy Spirit. You see, I'm a teacher, but I'm not your teacher. You know who your teacher is? The Holy Spirit is your teacher. The Lord Jesus is your teacher. I'm just his mouthpiece. I'm his representative. So at all times, when I'm teaching you from up here, I want you trying to pay attention to what God is seeking to say to you. Because it is possible I could make a mistake. I know it's hard to believe, but it is possible that I could make a mistake. This word doesn't make mistakes. This word is infallible, amen? So, I'm going to hold something out here for you, and I think that if we're capable of receiving this, we may see that it is true, and I'm gonna believe that it is true. As I was driving to the gym for the first time in a week, no working out for a week. Goodness gracious, did I get fat, all right? 
no working out for a week. And the gym finally opened. And so I drove over there. I mean, I was in, you know, 10 minutes after they opened. But as I drove over there and the sun was shining, I got this overwhelming impression that I, I now I'm just going to give you the words. These, these words didn't go through my head. It was just an impression. This is over. It is finished. We're done. It's all done. We're at an end. And then the Lord started giving me a bunch of scriptures. This one, both yesterday morning and this morning. Now, I don't mean that I just went, oh, okay, the Lord is hitting me with a verse, right? <laughs> this was in my Bible reading, right? Um, how many of you know that uh, Noah was inside the ark during the flood when it rained for 40 days? But did you know that Noah remained in the ark even after the rain stopped for a year? They couldn't leave the ark for a year. At first they were just floating, then they ended up landing on Mount Ararat, and then the water had to recede enough to where they could leave and actually do something. When he finally left the ark after a year, does that ring a bell? After a year of trouble. Right? This is what the Lord said. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky. Right? Then, this is verse 8. Then God spoke to Noah and his sons. Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth, I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you, and every living creature that is with you, for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of covenant between me and the earth. God said, I will never flood the earth again. He said, it is finished. And I was just thinking about this, and I could quote it, but I don't want to get it wrong here, right? I have encountered this verse on a number of occasions and thought that the Lord wanted me to speak this verse to you, this passage to you. Comfort, O oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice calling in the, is calling in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert highway, uh, in the desert, a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. And then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Comfort, oh comfort my people. That's what I'm seeking to do to you today or for you today. I refuse to believe that there's gonna be any more trouble this year. I'm going to go through this like a man that the Lord just puts the rain around. 
I already told you guys, mentioned to you guys before, that I have been rejecting and refusing to receive anything related to the pandemic. Now, uh, week before last, I quarantined um, because I thought that I had possibly been exposed. There have been a number of times when I felt all achy and creepy and whatever. And so it's possible that I've experienced it. But the problem is I don't really have a place to quarantine normally because of where I live. So, you know, I thought this is just not something I'm going to receive. Here, here's what I would like to see you and I do. I would like to see us be more proactive about our faith. I'd like to see us be more proactive about rejecting all of these negative things. Rejecting sickness, rejecting death, rejecting poverty. Now, I'm not trying to, to be a, a health wealth preacher here, right? I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, switching denominations and becoming charismatic or Pentecostal, but you know, those folks have something to say too. See, the thing is, I think that what happens is we just leave ourselves open to this too many times. Now, the message today that I'm preaching will, will state very clearly as I wind it up that, and I, in fact, I already have stated that when we go through hardship, when we go through suffering, there's a purpose behind it. And that purpose is to make us more like Christ. So I'm not preaching a painless gospel. But I'm saying all too often, we're a faithless people. And because of that, we just let whatever happens happen to us. I'm not receiving it. Amen? Yeah. It is finished. Amen? Amen? All right. That was free. That wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> all right. Uh, very quickly, number eight, suffering produces perseverance and Christ-like character when you go through it with faith. So why am I dealing with what I'm dealing with? Scripture says, God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. God disciplines us for what? Our good. So we may share in his holiness. Um, I like this scripture. I memorized this a long time ago from James chapter one. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There's a reason that you go through testing and trial. Listen to Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Did you hear that? Those of you that, um, how many of you get my daily Bible? Okay. You're, we're in 2 Corinthians right now. You're fixing to get some scripture from the Apostle Paul where he talks about all the suffering and the difficulty that he went through. It's amazing, right? But he had the audacity to say we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. There it is again. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So that is the reason that we go through it and we're not going to stop going through it. Although, as I've said, I believe that what we've been going through is at an end. So number nine, and this is my, this is my last statement to you. Are, you. are you glad it's the last statement? You're hanging in there. See, if you were on YouTube, you would already tuned me out. You would have put it on pause and you would have gone in the kitchen or gone to the bathroom or gone to fix something to eat or made a cup of coffee and then forgotten to come back and finish it up. Stop complaining and get on with your training, amen? Maybe I'm only speaking to me because I do have a tendency to be a complainer. <laughs> but rather than complain, get on with your training. And a big part of that training is the realization that the Lord wants you to be a person of faith 
in everything that you go through. So I hope the Lord's taught you something today. Hope you've been able to grab a hold of some of his word today. And I hope you go forth and prosper in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, none of this makes any sense if you don't have faith in Jesus. That's what you need to start with. So if your faith has drifted, right? If you've been living as a practical atheist, let me invite you to rededicate yourself to the Lord today. Let me invite you to pray and just to receive everything that he has offered you today. Fully open your heart and receive it. We've got a couple more songs that we're going to sing. And I hope that you will use this not as a time to just zone out and think about what you're going to eat, but as an opportunity to put yourself before the Lord and ask him what he means for you to do in response to this message.